Did you know that within a decade, women will hold $30 trillion in investable assets? Yet somehow, only 19% of women reported feeling confident in selecting investments that align with their long-term goals. Our friends at InvestHer are out to change that. InvestHer Con is the number one premier conference for women in real estate, and it's happening June 2nd through the 4th in Austin, Texas. InvestHerCon is not just another real estate conference. It's a transformational experience focused on real estate investing, business strategies, and self-care tactics, all designed to help women take control of their financial futures. Gain the knowledge and skills you need to grow your portfolio and build a sustainable business, all while connecting with over 500 women who are playing at the same level. To learn more and to get your tickets, visit InvestHerCon.com today and use the code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. That's InvestHer, H-E-R, Con.com, promo code 100BESTEVER to get $100 off your ticket. Quick disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are provided for informational purposes only and should not be construed as an offer to buy or sell any securities or to make or consider any investment or course of action. For more information, go to bestevershow.com. That definitely helps with my accountability as well because I'm trying to set an example for the people that are in my group. But the fact that I got to show up, I got to demonstrate what I'm doing. I have to set my goals. And it's like, if you're trying to be a thought leader in your group, in your world, you got to bring it too. Welcome to the Best Ever Show, the world's longest running daily commercial real estate podcast. Our hosts interview commercial real estate experts every day to get you the best advice ever with none of the fluffy stuff. Hello, Best Ever listeners. Welcome to the Best Real Estate Investing Advice Ever Show. I'm Ash Patel, and I'm with today's guest and also my co-host, Joe Cornwell. We are not going to interview each other, so we are just going to talk about what's going on with our companies, what are we doing with real estate investing, and hopefully add a lot of insight to the best ever listeners. That's our goal. Let's see where we go today. Joe, what's happening with you? What are you doing in 24? Well, I appreciate you having this call. Looking forward to having a conversation. We're in January of 24. I think it's an interesting time, as we've talked about on this show, and you hear a lot in the real estate circles that we're kind of in that still slow, sluggish market, not a ton of of transactions happening. So that's kind of caused my business to pivot. As you know, and hopefully the audience has learned from me being on the show now for a few months that I love mid to large multifamily. That's what I would love to buy more of. And I'm looking for deals, but here in the Midwest, they're very hard to come by. The very few deals that we see are usually overpriced. Sellers and buyers' expectations are not meeting, and there's just super low inventory. I'm going to make an assumption that in the commercial space, you're probably seeing similar problems with just a lack of inventory and expectations are difficult to match with buyers and sellers. Is that true? It is. We've actually had sellers say, well, yeah, I know it's a high price, but they're going to drop rates four times this year, so you'll make a ton of money. It's like, come on, man. On my LinkedIn, I posted this. There was one of the biggest syndicators out there who had an offering memorandum and they posted, and this is in their slide and on their deck, this is the best time to have an interest only loan because rates are going down. And they literally had a separate section that said interest rates have already peaked and they're going to come down this year. I was blown away. I'm expecting rates to go up another quarter point. That's just me. I don't think the Fed's scared enough people, done enough damage, but that was shocking. So yes, there is still a disconnect between sellers and buyers. What are you doing to overcome that? 
My business is pivoting a little bit where historically the deals I've bought the last eight years were some MLS, some from brokers. Obviously, I'm an agent myself, so I have my own network of clients, buyers and sellers. So I've bought deals that way. And I've done my own direct marketing as well. So it's kind of been a hodgepodge of different lead sources. But this year, I am focusing a lot on the direct marketing side. So I'm really ramping that up. I'm making it a staple of my business instead of just something I would do sporadically. And you and I have talked about this, but we kind of go through these cycles as investors where we're buying stuff, then we're operating stuff and we're trying to manage projects as a burr investor. Then I'm refined, trying to get capital back. And so it's always a cyclical roller coaster, ups and downs, money in, money out, deals in, deals out. But I'm trying to create more consistency. So one of the biggest issues in my business I identified is that I don't have constant deal flow. And as I mentioned a minute ago, I would love to continue buying mid to large multifamily, but because that is such a difficult and competitive asset, I'm expanding. I'm looking at some mixed use stuff like you and I've talked about, maybe even commercial, but I'm also looking at just doing a high volume of good deals. So whatever that may be. And that led me to wanting to build out the marketing side and do a lot more direct to seller marketing. So I'm going to be doing more mailers. I'm going to be doing more cold calling, more cold texting. And again, it's just going to allow me access to good deals. And that's kind of the focus for me early in 24. So what I'm hearing is you are going to significantly increase your marketing. Are you doing a good enough job marketing you. And Joe, when you market, do you market your company or do you market Joe Cornwell? Well, in the past, it's been both. And what I mean by that is if I'm sending out a mass marketing, let's say I send out a thousand postcards or whatever, that's more of a generic of I'm a local guy, I'm a real estate investor, I'm trying to buy your house or your building, whatever the owner may be, the property type. I like to call them sniper shots, meaning I'm really focused and I want this specific property at this corner. That was a much more personal touch. So I've literally written handwritten letters, handwritten notes. I've even done things where I would handwrite a letter and I'd literally put a picture of my family in there. Like, look, I'm a real guy, a real local Cincinnati person. I'm not some wholesaler in California. I want to actually buy your building. I'm not trying to just flip it and try to just give a more personal touch. And that had a lot of success. But obviously, that's really hard to replicate on a large scale. So those are more for like 123 Main Street, and I'm going to do everything I can to get in touch with this person. Not scalable. I can't send out 5,000 of those a month. Yeah, I love what you're doing. When you market locally, I think it's so important to have a picture of you and stress you're not this out-of-state, out-of-town buyer that's just going to make a ton of money off your pain. You are a local person who invests in your backyard. I mentored a young man a while back and he sent out the same thing, a picture of him and his girlfriend and just a very brief one paragraph letter. I'm local. This is what I'm looking for. And his response rate was unbelievable. So I love that. So keep doing that. You raise capital as well, right? Yeah. So depending on the deal, like the larger deals I've done, I've always used partnerships. So I'm open to still continue doing that on larger deals. And something I'm working on on this particular marketing business is, let's say I find 10 really good single family deals. I'm looking at ways to either raise capital for that, potentially in a fund format, or I'm also working with a couple of banks that I've done deals with where I'm trying to get larger lines of credit established where I can pull capital out quickly so we can buy with cash and move quickly and then give them all of those long-term notes. So whatever bank I end up partnering with, and I'm talking to a couple right now, 
if they extend me a good line of credit where I can move quickly, then I'll give them all the long-term notes on any buy and hold deal. So they're going to obviously make the interest money, but they'll also get potentially a good large volume of portfolio commercial loans that they can keep if they want. Yeah. I love what you're doing. You're solving your bottlenecks of both capital and deal finding. Having that line of credit is the best thing you can do because it's the cheapest money. Bank money is always the cheapest. And then it's private capital beyond that. How much have you thought about setting up the fund? I think if the model I'm building out with the marketing does well, then it's going to make a lot more sense to actually spend the time raising the money, but also doing other legal structures and things that go into building a fund. But if this model works and I want to demonstrate it to myself and then potentially investors where I can do high volume of good deals, whatever they may be. And that's what I'm trying to basically transition to. And you know me well, I've been pretty heavily focused on small to mid-sized multi-value add deals. But I want to be able to take down deals that are just good deals. So if I find a single family that's 60% of market value, I want to be able to take that down. If I find a commercial deal that makes sense, I want to be able to take that down. So I'm allowing my net, so to speak, that I'm casting to be wider. And hopefully that'll allow me to just find more good deals. And while again, in a perfect world, that's not what I necessarily want. But as investors, I think it's important that we sometimes take what the market gives us, whatever that may be. That is awesome. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of interviewing Gino Barbaro, and they've bought multi-hundred unit properties over their career. They've bought tens of thousands of units, and he's not above buying a duplex. If it's a killer deal, let's buy it. Let's take it down. Let's go back to the roots because right now the market is a little bit less forgiving and people got to pivot. So I love what you're doing. Just looking for high return deals. I would consider doing the fund. Now, if you're soliciting, you've got to be registered 506C, but getting some friends and family to pull money together might not be a bad idea as a proof of concept and just easy access to capital without going through all those SEC regs. Yeah, that's definitely an option. And again, the volume is really going to dictate the necessity. If I get 10 great leads a month that are all good deals that I want to hold long-term, obviously then it's going to become a necessity to continue raising funds, whether that's through investors or continued relationships with the banks or my own capital. But you know me, I'm kind of like a go big or go home type of guy. If this scales well and I can continue scaling it exponentially and I continue finding good deals, then I'm willing to grow this model as big as I need to. And obviously that'll come with the time and seeing the returns. Yeah. Again, kudos to you because I know a lot of people that have their buy box that they've had for the last 10 years and they're not willing to change. So 1980s and above, value add, the list goes on. But like you said, take what the market gives you and just run with it. Try to make those killer returns. So what about you? What are you guys looking at this year? Still doing what we're doing. I think you and I are both lucky. We've fared well. We haven't gotten bit by interest rate hikes. It hasn't affected our business. We're all still healthy. And I promise not to make this a commercial versus residential. We'll save that for another show because I know anytime you and I get behind the mics, that's what tends to happen in a very friendly way, but very competitive. So we're starting to see some great deals out there. A lot of these sellers that have held properties for very long They've become friends with their commercial tenants. They've not raised rates. And now they're getting older. Rates are going up. Their loans are coming due. They just don't want to deal with it anymore. 
So we're finding great deals. Retail, believe it or not, is the healthiest it's been since 2005. So the amount of vacancy almost in every market is at an all-time low and rents are continuing to climb. So unlike multifamily, which is down nationally roughly 1% year over year, retail rents continue to rise. Office is still a challenge, but suburban office is still on fire. People working from home, small businesses needing office space, still on fire. We're building flex space. We're buying retail. We're raising capital. And that's one thing that a friend of mine, actually somebody in my mastermind, learned the hard way. I've been telling the best ever listeners this for years. I've been telling anybody that I mentor this for years. You've got to put yourself out there. And all those excuses about I'm not on social media, I get it. If you're not on social media, not willing to put yourself out there, not willing to market yourself, you are going to pay the price. And I'll give you an example. This young man found an incredible deal, 66,000 square feet in Chattanooga, and he had not done any work into marketing himself. So he can't come out of the woodwork all of a sudden say, hey, all friends and family, guess what? I'm a real estate investor. I need one and a half million dollars. I found this great deal. They're going to be like, wait a minute, weren't you just running an HVAC business? Explain to me what the hell's going on. And I made this mistake for years, Joe, where after I left the corporate world, my wife and I would go out to dinner and people would ask, gosh, how's the IT business? And at first I would correct people and be like, I'm actually in real estate. And then I just got tired of that. I'd be like, you know what? Everything's great, man. How are you doing? And I failed. That was a missed opportunity to market myself and what I'm doing and potentially an investor for the future. So this individual finds this absolutely incredible deal and he has no network, no ability to raise capital. So he brings myself and one of my business partners on as co-GPs. He gives up 66% of the deal. Now, not only did he not have access to investors, his balance sheet wasn't adequate for a $5 million purchase. And that's understood. Everyone's got to build up to that. So he needed partners for two reasons, access to capital and balance sheet for lenders. Now, if he had marketed himself and prepped investors with newsletters, emails, coffee, just screaming from the mountaintops that I am a commercial real estate investor, people would have had these conversations ahead of time. Hey, Jonathan, tell me more about what you're doing. Hey, Sally, this real estate thing that's going on, explain to me what you're doing. And you could have prepped investors and built your potential investor pool ahead of time. And then all you have to do is find a partner to sign on the loan and maybe give up 20, 30% of the deal. But this was a great lesson for him to learn. And I want the best ever listeners to learn this too. If you think you are going to raise capital in the future, please tell everybody you are a real estate investor. Get people intrigued with what you're doing. The stock market is at an all-time high. That's not going to be there forever. And it's not my opinion, but the market's always been cyclical. There's ups and downs. We've hit some ups. There should be some downs coming. I think a lot of money will get taken out of equity markets and put into private placements. So the capital raising thing, I know a lot of people struggle with that. I have too for the better part of 10 years. And Joe Fairless, you were there, I think, when we did the talk about the biggest mistakes that we made. Joe said, if you are a master at your craft and you don't allow friends and family into your deals, you're being selfish. You're keeping it all to yourself. And in reality, when I learned 
that I'm doing my friends a favor by letting them into these deals and growing their capital. It was a pivotal moment for me. So in a nutshell, we're looking forward to a lot more deals. We're in a much less competitive landscape than you are. So there's deals out there. It's actually a matter of us spending the time to look for it. And we've realized we don't have enough time. So we're going to be hiring an analyst to do some deal searching for us. Very cool. A couple of things I want to add to that. And I have told the same thing to many people. There are so many ways to organically market what you're doing where it's not marketing. We like to think of it as, oh, if you want to be a social media guy or gal, you got to have a podcast or whatever, right? It doesn't have to be that complicated. I started marketing, quote unquote, on Facebook, totally organically, totally accidentally. It was strictly because I thought some of the things I was doing was cool. I wanted to document it and I wanted to show people literally out of show and tell. Look, I'm flipping this duplex. I'm rehabbing it. Look at all these problems I'm dealing with. Just telling people what's happening. And there was no motivation behind it. It wasn't like, I know in five years from now, I'm going to start raising money and this is going to pay off. It was never that thought. But the simple act of just documenting what I do every day or what I was doing on the weekends when I still had my job, all that stuff, paid dividends later. I think that's actually how you and I first connected. You saw some of the things I was doing on social media and you're like, hey, let's chat. What are you up to? And that just goes to show that it doesn't have to be a full-time thing. Just show people what you're doing, I guess is the way to sum that up. It doesn't have to be some well-thought-out content creation machine. Um, (laughs) Because when you're doing real stuff, and people see the realness, that shows better than doing some scripted, polished type of talking head videos or something. And anyway, I think anyone can do it. I tell all the people that I mentor as well the same thing. And again, you never know. Just because you're only doing your first few deals this year, you may want to raise money in a year, two years, whatever, and you'll have that lake work ahead of you. And something else you said where there is a ton of competition in multifamily, which is part of why I've pivoted into doing the direct marketing to sellers. Because if I can get directly with the sellers, that's going to hopefully give me opportunities at better deals where I don't have the competition. The old adage, right? It's like, we want to buy everything at 70% of ARV minus repairs or whatever. And it's like, yeah, that's a great napkin math. But how much value is there in this limited inventory market we're in where if I'm the only one presenting an offer to a seller, regardless of the value, regardless of what they want, not having that competition, not having 20 offers, bidding up prices, that alone is a tremendous value aside from what they actually want and what the market value is. So that's the motivations for going down that road. Yeah, Joe, I agree with you on the posting. Just be real. I get it that social media superstars that have editors and they're very polished videos, just share what you're doing. Share some lessons that you've learned, failures. That's the best way to connect with people. Share your wins too, but be very humble. Practice humility. I actually hate seeing those posts. We just killed it, grew, blah, blah, blah. It's like, okay, it's not all rosy, right? And this is the same thing that social media people are doing with all these crazy scams out there. Why don't you share some of the struggle on your way to this win? We've never had a win that didn't come with any heartache and hurdles and struggles. So why not share that, right? Like, yeah, we absolutely killed it. My team killed it on this deal, but we came down to the wire. Here's a struggle that we had. Here's a lesson that you can take away from what we went through. So yeah, totally agree with you on that, Joe. I got to ask you another question. Do you have anybody that serves as a mentor or an accountability partner? 
Not directly. Over the years, I've had a lot of people I've admired, looked up to, like Joe Fairless, like yourself and some others. So I've had those relationships, but nothing like structured where we meet every other Friday or whatever. You know what I mean? Nothing like that specifically. And I run my own private mastermind group. So I get a lot of back and forth there. I host it, but I do get a lot of back and forth feedback. And that definitely helps with my accountability as well, because I'm trying to set an example for the people that are in my group. But the fact that I got to show up, I got to demonstrate what I'm doing. I have to set my goals. And it's like, if you're trying to be a thought leader in your group, in your world, you got to bring it too. So I think that's been my biggest accountability piece but nothing like structured and something I'm missing, I think is being in groups where, you know, less than everybody else you're dealing with. I think that's important for growth and something I'm missing. Yeah. You're actually very disciplined. So you've got the accountability thing set because you've got a whole team, a group of people that are looking up to you. And like you said, you've got to show up. So That's great for accountability. We'll get back to the show with first some sponsors I'm confident you'll find value in learning more about. A 1031 exchange is one of the greatest tools to build your real estate portfolio. But before you sell your next investment property, if you want to save thousands in capital gains taxes, please give our friends at 1031 Pros a call. Whether you're an individual investor, title company, or real estate agent, 1031 Pros is ready to help you or your clients with their 1031 exchange needs. With over 30 years of experience, 1031 Pros specializes in various types of exchanges like delayed, simultaneous, reverse, and improvement exchanges in all 50 states, all while ensuring your transaction is fast, reliable, transparent, and secure. 1031 Pros has handled over 20,000 audit-free exchanges, and right now, best ever listeners can get $250 off any exchange by visiting my1031pros.com slash best ever. That's my1031pros.com slash best ever to get $250 off today. Have you heard that Mint, the popular personal finance app, is shutting down? If you use Mint, that's bad news. The good news is that there's an even better alternative, Monarch Money. Monarch gives you a comprehensive view of all your accounts, investments, transactions, and more. Create custom budgets, set goals, and collaborate with others. And now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash best ever. Most personal finance apps are clunky and cluttered with ads. Monarch is different. Its intuitive design makes setup, customization, and everyday use simple and easy. Monarch is also the most customizable budgeting app available. You can change your dashboard layout, create custom budgets and notifications, and even invite your partner, accountant, or financial advisor to have a joint view of your finances at no extra cost. Once you try Monarch for yourself, you'll understand why it was named 2024's best budgeting app by the Wall Street Journal. And right now, get an extended 30-day free trial when you go to monarchmoney.com slash best ever. That's M-O-N-A-R-C-H money.com slash best ever for your extended 30-day free trial. I think you and I, like a lot of people, are terrible about asking for help or asking for mentorship. That's a struggle. And it's amazing if you do it once or twice, how incredible it is. I know you've given back to a lot of people. You've mentored a lot of people. I've done the same. But where we failed, I think, is asking for help. And we have a circle of friends that there are some people that are just absolute experts at certain things that I feel like we should take more advantage of. 
Yeah. And honestly, not to plug the conference, but one of the things I'm really looking forward to going to best ever conference this year, my first time going is getting in that circle of people that are out there a few steps or 10 steps ahead of me and where I want to go and just getting to meet those people, getting to network with them, hopefully exchanging some value. But I think that's something I'm missing because I've been in real estate now for eight years. And when I started in the network groups, like the best ever meetup, like some of the other local meetups I'm a part of here in Cincinnati, when you walk in, you're green, you don't know anything, you're scared to talk to people. But as time went on and I met these people and I built relationships with these people, I slowly started moving up in the ranks, so to speak, of experience and all that things. And then eventually I looked around, five years went by, and then all of a sudden people are asking me questions. People are looking up to me. People are wanting to partner with me. And it was like a transition psychologically where I had to realize, oh, I've actually moved up. But the problem with that is eventually if you don't change your environment, you're going to hit a ceiling. And I feel like that's kind of where I'm at with some of the groups I'm in. They're great. I have nothing but love for that and all the people that I'm with in those. But as you mentioned, if you're always reaching out to the side and you're always reaching down and helping pull people up, you're not out there growing and reaching up. And I think that's your point I'm taking. Yeah. Look, you and I are great at just helping everybody. Anybody that comes to us for help, and I've seen you do it year over year, you will go out of your way to help people. But you're right, and I will plug the Best Ever Conference. It is just full of killers that are willing to help you with anything. So you will make some incredible contacts. Every year when we go, we have long-term friends that we've made there and people that we keep in touch with, people that we can learn from. So that will be a game changer for you. And I know you don't have this problem, but I got to share a quick story. I've got this guy on LinkedIn that literally just asked me if he can call me because he needs career advice and didn't tell me anything about him. He's finishing his real estate MBA soon. He wants to go into value-add investing after school. He said, I basically want to do what you're doing and I would love for you to share career advice with me. And I'm like, okay, I have a hard time saying no. So I said, yes, here's my Calendly link. And he's rescheduled a couple times already. And now I'm like, this is not good. You booked an appointment. You're rescheduling last minute. Be grateful when somebody's giving you their time. We're going to talk tonight at 9 p.m. That's when he can do it. So I want to see how he ends the call. If he doesn't offer to add value, he's going to get a lecture from me. So I'm done with giving people great advice. I'm going to give them tough love now. I'll give them great advice, but you got to change your approach. You can't just hit people up on LinkedIn that are busy and say, I need your advice. You got to be like, listen, I would love to get 10 minutes of your time, 15 minutes of your time. But before we do that, is there something I can do for you? Just lead with value. I think a lot of people have forgotten that. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. This is not directed towards you, by the way. This is literally, this is on my screen and I'm dreading this call because I know how it's going to go. A side note to that for anyone listening is that <laughs> if you want to do high-level real estate investing, I don't think you need to spend five or six years in college to do that. I would argue that's not only a waste of time, but also a waste of money. But we could have that debate another time. <laughs> oh, listen, hold on. I agree with you. I got out of college from one of the top business schools in the country and did not prepare me for anything. Really didn't. It was a four-year party, good times, met some great people but a waste of time when it comes to progressing in a career. 
Yep. I finished my bachelor's degree when I was still a cop and never helped me in the cop job. <laughs> hasn't helped me in my business jobs. And I don't foresee it helping me down the road in any of my future ventures. But I think there is a time and place for higher education. I'm not a education hater, so to speak, but I think people have to be really deliberate about where they spend their time and their money if they want to go to college or, or certainly into a master's or a PhD program. I think that it is definitely an overused option here in the U.S. And again, I could debate this for hours, but I think it is a problem for our country. I agree 100%. All right, what do you want to wrap this up with? Let's give our best ever listeners some good advice for 24. What about any recent business books, links, articles, anything like that you've been into recently? I've done the 10X is better than 2X, Gap and Gain. One of my favorites is still Rocket Fuel. Gap and Gain. Somebody recommended to me that recently. I need to check it out. Joe, really all that is, is any entrepreneur, any business owner, we're so focused on the goalpost and the problems that are in front of us and solving those, right? We never take the time to look in the mirror and think, look what I accomplished. We're not wired that way. If you're a highly successful entrepreneur, if you're a very driven individual, you're not wired to pat yourself on the back. But if you take a moment, maybe do your balance sheet, look at all the deals that you've done, look at all the people that you've helped, and just look back, stop for a minute, pause, forget what's on your to-do list, and just be like, wow, man, I've actually accomplished a lot. That's essentially what the gap in the gain is. Because we're just inundated all the time with the tasks at hand. Rocket Fuel, I would imagine a lot of our best ever listeners, and I'm 48 years old, so people that are older than me, I've shared this advice with that I got from Rocket Fuel. And that is in my corporate world, in my whole life, I've always seen people that are very organized. They had to-do lists for everything. Their desks were always clean. They finished projects that they started. They're very meticulous when it comes to that kind of stuff. and. Every year I would set a goal, okay, I'm going to be more organized. I'm going to have a clean desk. I'm going to have a morning routine, all this nonsense. And it never came to fruition. And what Rocket Fuel teaches you is that it's not a flaw. It's actually a superpower that you've got a million different things coming into your head constantly. All you need is an integrator. You are a visionary. You need an integrator next to you. And somebody to take all these crazy ideas and the projects that you've started and either push back or run with them. And that's been a game changer for me. I've literally got people surrounding me that are incredible and they're great integrators and they don't want to lead. They want to see things through. They want to execute. So for any business owner, real estate person out there, the whole ADHD thing, it's a superpower. Embrace it. Yeah. A couple things there. On the gratitude piece, I'm talking about the gap and the gain. One, it sounds like a book that would definitely be helpful for me and something I definitely struggle with. I am always go, go, go. It's really hard for me to sit back and take time off and just kind of evaluate where I'm at in my life, both professionally and personally. But when I'm able to force myself to do that, I realize how much progress and success I've had just in the last few years since I left my W-2 job. And if I look back eight years ago where I started, I could have never even imagined all the things I've accomplished till today. But you get in this mindset of you always have to do more. You always have to make more. You always have to achieve more. 
and you lose sight of that gratitude. You lose sight of that sense of fulfillment that comes from the things that we do and have done. And it's tough because that really is like a mental cancer that you have to fight because if you don't successfully fight it, you're always looking for the next thing. You're never satisfied. You're never happy. And that is something I have struggled with my entire life, but certainly in the last five years or so. So yeah, I'll definitely check that book out. I think it's one of my biggest personality flaws that I recognize in myself. You need to learn to be satisfied, happy in the moment with where you're at in life. Especially for me, I got three little kids and you as a parent can relate. You get in that grind of every day is hard. And there's a quote I love. It's the days are long, but the years are short. And that's so true. Every day, by the time I go to bed, I'm like, dude, I'm exhausted. I had eight hours of work or plus. Then I'm dealing with the kids. They wear me out. They want all my energy and attention. By the time I lay down, I just want to veg out and I'm beyond exhausted. But that happens day after day, after week, after week, after month, after month. And then before you know it, my oldest daughter's already six and it feels like she was born yesterday. So that's a great lesson. A couple things on that. You have a construction business and you have a real estate investing business. Yes. How do you figure out how much time to devote to each? That's cyclical as well. In 2023, real estate was way down as far as transactional volume. So naturally, I was able to shift a lot more of my attention and focus to growing the construction business, which we did successfully. So that was fortunate to have that other lever to pull. And that was actually the second point I was going to make to your last comment, where as I've grown as a business person and as an investor, the who, not how dynamic becomes much more important. So the reason why my companies have grown and become more successful is because I've hired the right people. And I'm certainly not the best or expert at hiring, but somebody has the advice out there. I'm not sure who to credit, but it's hire fast, fire fast. That has become my mentality because I've taken months to hire people before and try to be really picky and find the perfect person. And then two weeks in, they suck. And it's like, wow, I just wasted three months interviewing 10 people and I hired one person and it didn't work out. And now the other nine already have jobs or whatever. So I'm much more of like, I'm going to look for red flags. I'm going to hire you and I'm going to give you a trial period. And you're going to show me by doing if you're the right fit for this job. And that's helped me find the right people, grow my teams, both on the real estate and construction side. And yeah, man, that's really helped me leverage my time where I can still keep growing the investment portfolio while managing my businesses and continue to grow my businesses at the same time with finding the right people. Good. And that's where I was going with this. So you are hiring as you need to. Yes. Perfect. Good, good, good. Joe, last thing I want to ask you is, are you glued to your phone all day where if it rings, you feel obligated to pick it up? Yes and no. It's gotten better. We have a phone system for our real estate business that is like an office line where client calls, customer calls, and tenant calls get filtered through that first. That way I'm not usually the first point of contact. And my assistant is able to filter those calls to find out what's legit, what's spam, what's a waste of time. Maybe a tenant's just wanting to call to let somebody hear them. You know what I mean? So that helps a lot. If you would ask me this two years ago, I would have said, yes, I was horribly attached to my phone. I was taking calls at 11 p.m. I was trying to make clients happy all the way up until midnight every night. And prior to that, when I had my job, it was even more difficult because now I'm struggling the W-2 and business and trying to keep everybody happy. So it's gotten better. I'm not perfect, but I've been able to set some boundaries now. 
Good. And that's uh, maybe the last piece of advice that I'll give to the best ever listeners today is same thing with me, Joe. A couple years ago, my daughter is now 14, my son's 11, but a couple years ago, I made a conscious decision to not answer my phone, maybe for the first couple hours that the kids got home from school. And one day my phone was in my office. My son heard it ringing. He ran full speed to grab it and present it to me. And I'm like, no, I'm good. I don't need this. He looked at me like I had two heads. How are you not going to answer this phone that you pay so much attention to? I realized that was a big problem because when my phone rang, whatever I was doing, I dropped and I answered it. And now I've gotten better at ignoring it if I'm in the middle of something with the kids or with my wife. People notice it in corporate meetings. Anytime somebody looks at their phone, even at happy hours or networking events, anytime somebody glances down to respond to a text or even look at their phone, it's almost like a slap in the face to everyone that's around you because you're not truly engaged with the people that you need to be engaged with. So just be cognizant of that. And if you're not, just look around. Whenever you are in certain groups or even one-on-one talks and somebody grabs their phone, figure out how that makes you feel. It should make you feel some way, man. (laughs) And I'm definitely guilty of that, especially with the kids. One of my goals this year was to have that family time after work before they go to bed. There's usually like that three, four hour window where the kids are up and awake. I try really hard to keep that time dedicated. Far from perfect. I've certainly failed many times. One problem for me was TikTok, right? TikTok is so addicting where you start scrolling on social media. Instagram is kind of the same way now. You can get sucked into that. And then the next thing you know, you've wasted 30 minutes or an hour or whatever. One, so I had to literally delete that off my phone. Two, it was email. If I had my phone on loud, I hear that email come through. I was addicted to checking an email. Addicted. So now I silence my phone after work and I try really hard to have that dedicated time with my kids. Um, Something that I'm constantly working at. But the good news is for me now, my oldest daughter's six. She's really good about calling me out. If she sees me on my phone when I saw the family time, she'll be the first one to call me out. And it's good though, because the two little kids, they're not old enough. So she kind of keeps me in check, which is good. That's great. Joe, when a lot of young people come up to me and be like, I want to do real estate. I want to get into what you're doing. I would ask them, how do they spend their time? Whatever answer they give, I'm like, is TikTok on your phone? They're like, yeah. I'm like, take it off. If you want to talk, if you want to level up, get rid of that. Sorry for anyone that uses TikTok for business, whatever. I'm just talking in general. I've seen so many people just waste 30 minutes at a time on TikTok. And then amongst groups of friends, it's like, hey, did you see that one TikTok? No, man, I haven't. Sorry, but no. You cannot complain that you're not leveling up and spend 30 minutes on TikTok and watching every new Netflix series that comes out. It doesn't work. So yeah, this is an evolution and we all get to learn from each other. Hopefully we share some great advice with the best ever listeners. And that's it. We're here to learn and level up and have a lot of fun while we're doing it. The last thing I'll say is if the audience is enjoying these types of shows, and obviously a lot of times on these roundtables, we have Slocum here. If you're enjoying those, leave us a comment, drop us an email, reach out to us and let us know. And if you want something different, let us know too, because all of us here at Best Ever, we want to provide the content that's valuable for you. 
I love having these conversations. I love catching up with the market and what we're doing in our businesses, but hopefully the audience does as well. So feel free to connect with either one of us and, and give us your honest feedback if you want to hear more of stuff like this and with some of the other hosts as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I'll share my email address. It's ash at investbeyondmultifamily.com. That's A-S-H at investbeyondmultifamily.com. Whatever you guys want us to talk about, whatever we can do to add value, please just email us and let us know. We'll do our best to fulfill that. Yep. And mine's Jay Cornwell at Realty One Stop. And you can find me on Instagram at jaycornwellre if you want to hit me up on there as well. Happy to chat. Best ever listeners. Thank you so much for joining us. If you enjoy this podcast, please leave us a five-star review. Share this episode with someone you think can benefit from it. Also follow, subscribe, and have a best ever day. Hi, best ever listeners. Joe Fairless here again. And one last thing before you go, would you like to receive a short weekly email with proven tips from experienced investors, free tools and resources, and a roundup of the week's most relevant news and best ever content? Well, if so, join the community of nearly 15,000 commercial real estate passive and active investors who receive the best ever newsletter. Just go to bestevercre.com forward slash access and you'll get the very next one. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as always, thank you for listening and have a best ever day.